This is the NT Filmmakers Podcast, Episode 1. This is the NT Filmmakers Podcast where we talk to filmmakers and creatives from the Northern Territory of Australia about their projects, their experiences and their challenges. And now, here's your host, Steve Archer. Welcome everyone to the NT Filmmakers Podcast. I'm your host, Steve Archer. In this episode, we'll be talking to Phil Denson, a local option scriptwriter, about the new animated series he's produced called Mining Boom. We'll also be hearing from Blundine Ruffo about a couple of very exciting opportunities happening with the Darwin International Film Festival. I'll be looking at a couple of online stores that filmmakers can use to purchase their equipment, and we'll be doing a review of a very inexpensive piece of equipment that will allow you to mic up your talent during one of your shoots. And stay tuned till the end of the episode for a terrific offer for NT filmmakers. So sit back and relax, everybody. I hope you enjoy the show. And welcome to the NT Filmmakers podcast. Today we're joined by Phil Denson. He's going to talk to us about his newest project. He's a producer on this one. It's an animated series called Mining Boom. Phil, welcome to the show. Oh, it's good to be here. Thanks very much for coming along. Tell us all about Mining Boom. Tell us what happened. Well, it started off with a friend of mine up here in Darwin who um, was a comedian. We, we met through those sort of circles and he was working out in the mines. And basically his concept was he wanted to make a comedy that happened out in the mines. Um, he, he kind of brought it up a few times to me and, and as a script editor, I was kind of like, yeah, I'll, I'll help you out with a few things. But then he went away and actually animated a one-minute piece, a very simple sort of South Park type animation, but it was it was enough to be like okay, it's getting attention from a niche audience mm-hmm. online, off obviously the miners. Um, that's that's a fairly big niche. Yeah, exactly, and that's that's the thing that I'll talk about later how how that helped us. So your audience is is really important, but at the same time, I was just I like supporting local artists or, or my friends who have ideas. That's I've got. I'm sort of cursed with this idea, with this feeling of every story has potential. Like you can tell me any story; it could be a romance between a dog and a, a woman, and I could see, oh, okay, that could have potential. So I, I often don't go, ah, oh, well, that doesn't interest me, because I think just story interests me. In the end, it was also a little bit funny, so that always helps. Um, then he asked me to come on board a bit more. In a, in a strategic manner, he wanted me to write and maybe even do voices and stuff like that. And I said, okay, well, if I'm going to come on board, then we need some funding because I'm not just going to do it for nothing and I'll, I'll support you, but it, it ends up being a lot of work. And that's when I thought, all right, let's get some funding together. In fact, I helped him get an application firstly through Screen Territory mm-hmm. and I think it was only $5,000. Oh, one of the seed funding? Yeah, it was yeah. just a seed funding thing to to do his third animation. So by that stage, he found um, uh, an, an animation company over in Romania through, I think, Fiverr.com, one of those um, things. And he, and so he got them on board for quite a little bit of money because the animation 
they're using a friend up here and, and another animator. It took, I think, five months to do a one minute piece. Ah, yes. Whereas through this website, he found this small company, I think they only had four people there at the time, but they were animators mm -hmm. and they wanted some money, they wanted to animate. That was their, <laughs> their business. So he threw them a bit of cash to help animate. And once they were on board, we had a bit of a working process. Um, Pete would do all the voices, he'd act out the characters, almost like doing storyboards, but live action storyboards, mm -hmm. which is just a, I think it's done more and more lately, but mm. for a 2D animation, that's not, not the norm. And he would act out and just to show where the comedy comes into it. So it's not just talking heads. And they put it together um, quite well. And so that's when I was like, okay, put some money together just through him. So he, he, I helped him with the application. He put the application in and got $5,000 mm -hmm. from Screen Territory. So people out there, if you're up here, um, there's always uh, an opportunity mm. through Screen, ter screen ter Territory if you've got an interesting idea. And so he, he came back and I said, okay, well, let's write a script that can kind of not just grab and talk to the audience as in the mining audience, but maybe a little bit wider as well. So um, we started playing with a few other ideas and we call them, started calling them sneak peeks mm -hmm. because the idea is to build up to a bigger thing. Ah. Not just for the audience, mm -hmm. like it would be good for the audience. It worked really well that the audience thought, okay, this is leading to something. So they stepped on board. They kept watching anyway. Uh, whereas also for us, we didn't want to just keep making two-minute pieces. Mm. Pete was particularly fond of maybe making half-hour comedy as a series. And that was his end goal. That's what he wants to do. And I was like, all right, let's take it one step at a time. Let's start with web series, a bit shorter, and we can build up to that. So we started calling him Sneak Peaks. Mm -hmm. And our Sneak Peak 3, which is still on the website, on the Facebook page and the YouTube page, uh, was... Big. It was a big success. We got over a million um, wow. views. However, <laughs> because there was one issue, and I, and I probably, me and Pete should have talked about this earlier. So when he finished, he does a lot, the directing and a lot of the editing at mm -hmm. that stage. He also, he put at the very end of the two and a half minute clip, supported by Screen Territory. Mm -hmm. And then we released it. And I, within a day or two days, we had 300,000 views, mm. which is pretty good for 48 yeah. hours. Yeah. And we told Screen Territory, and they were like, they watched it, and they said, no, you need to take that off, because oh. it, we, didn't, we only gave you seed funding, not production funding, oh. so you can't use our logo at the end, oh, whereas we thought we were doing the right thing. Yes. Well, Pete thought he was doing the right thing. Yes. At the time, he didn't tell me that was happening. Mm. I probably could have uh, just asked the question. That's why it's always good to have a producer yes. that you trust and get them to yep. do all that. And yep. find out and before you just read the fine print. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So at that stage, I wasn't officially signed on as a producer. Mm. I was still supporting him yep. mm -hmm. if he got money. Mm. And because because that happened, we lost. He had to take that down and then put it back up, re-edited. So we lost three hundred thousand views, really. Yeah. So we started again, but it still got got over a million views. Um, wow. And if you add on those ones plus the YouTube, it was more like one point six. Um, which is not a bad number for a Darwin crappy little animation. That, that's not a bad number for any <laughs> production well, at all. The, these days, like even with um, series, like it used to be you needed a certain amount of million viewers mm. to, to be on network TV. Yeah. But now with streaming and everything, it's mm -hmm. just like, just get an audience. If you have an audience, yep. then you're going to find some sort of opportunity, whether mm. it's funding for, or maybe a, a, on some streaming service. Yeah. So um, we thought, 
after that, we're like, okay, this is a bit more serious. I'll come on officially and we're going to go to Screen Australia for their online, at that stage, they had online production funding. Mm -hmm. So they had their feature, their TV series, and their basically web series and documentary, of course. Um, so I had been involved with another project just as a writer mm -hmm. and from a producer up here called Zero Point, which is a superhero, yes. indigenous superhero one, mm -hmm. um, which, which did something very similar. They went through the Black Space Initiative and they got something like 200,000 grand to mm -hmm. make fully 2D animated um, four episodes, basically, and we designed that to be like a half hour episode pilot, but split into four. Yeah. And that was the same idea I had for Mining Boom. Let's go with Pete's idea. He wants to make a half hour episodes mm -hmm. for the future and um, split it in, split it up. So we went, anyway, I did all the application. We put it all together and put it in. And to be honest, I was like, nah, 50% chance of getting mm. it. Like, and if it doesn't work, then it's like, oh, well, we gave it a shot. Good on you, Pete, keep working on it. Mm. And he would still probably be making things today. But the, I, th I think our secret weapon was the over a million views. Mm. And by that stage, Pete had also, through the animation company in Romania, had made five sneak peeks, maybe six, including a Christmas special. Ah. And each one of them make, are getting 300, 500,000 views, 600, or sometimes even more. Um, but our best was at sneak peek three, mm -hmm. which was over, over a million. And it's just because it was tidy, it was silly, it had a good ending. <laughs> it was a little bit more epic too. It wasn't just two people chatting, mm -hmm. a, a truck falls over a cliff, blah, 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 all that kind of stuff. And the whole premise of this, I mean, probably just jumping back quickly, was these characters out on the mines, we wanted to show not necessarily smart people mm -hmm. <laughs> doing some dodgy stuff, mm. but then dodging it so badly that they can get away with it. So it's all about people trying to, um, or FIFOs slipping up and covering up mm -hmm. uh, what they do. So, and, and Pete's been there, he's worked in the mines mm -hmm. for over a decade. And that's what it's like, <laughs> which is kind of kind of bit interesting. Um, only the names have been changed to protect, to protect the guilty. <laughs> exactly, yeah, the guilty. Um, but he, yeah, he, he's he had an authentic voice. He knew what, what it worked. So my comedy background is a lot more. Um, I guess I like gags. I like wordplay, mm -hmm. and and I did a lot of musical um, comedy. And so I come, came from a stand-up comedy background. And that's how I met Pete. So when I was writing, I would probably write a bit more gags and then Pete would then sort of either rewrite or write them in a different way or, and to, until I kind of got his voice as well. So, and that's what I love when I'm, when I'm producing anyway. I like to find a, a voice, someone has their voice and, and my script editing hat comes into it as well when I'm like, okay, I want to find that voice and bring it out and see if we can get funding for it, just to see if it can get produced rather than oh, I've got a different idea for what you're doing. I want to change that and I want it to be like this. Um, I just, that's not how I think. I, I think if someone's got a good story, they've got something unique, let's do everything around that to make that shine. Mm. Because it's easy to, in many ways, to have a story structure. It's easy to follow the norm and do that. And you can use that to put that structure around something original and that's good, but if you don't have that originality, or if I'm trying to always put my ideas into it, it, then it just becomes another one of my project and I lose what was special about it. So with Pete, that was particularly important. His voice, he'd been in the mind, the mind is, and the audience could pick that up. Mm. Sometimes 
in fact, we'll talk about that when we get to the, to the web series. Um, there was one little, little issue there. But anyway, so we got the funding from Screen Australia. Nice. Uh, we asked for 130, mm -hmm. I think, and they gave us 110. Okay. And they said, because uh, we'd, we'd already done, uh, we'd, we'd shown that we could do it quite cheaply, mm -hmm. which was our own little downfall. However, they said, okay, they wanted to support that development mm -hmm. of, of the scripts as well. Because at the stage, we basically put in a 25-page script, yep. which is a TV half hour. Mm -hmm. and, and they were saying, well, it's a web series. You're putting in for online content and funding, so it needs to be a web series. So we want you to split it up to be a bit more episodic mm -hmm. rather than this is a five-minute piece and then it just leads straight into the next one. Yes. Mm -hmm. So that was right. We, we got a story consultant on as well. They, they said that was part of the funding. We, we need to get some, someone on. We got... Um, a guy named Ben Zwag. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know where he's based actually, but on the East Coast and good story. He's done a lot of animation as well as short films and, and um, good story consultant. We talked that through and we basically kept the same story and split it up into four five minute pieces. Mm -hmm. But then we thought, okay, we have the funding and that we could cover some more animation. So we put in another, almost a standalone thing that happened right in the middle, which was more about like drug testing, someone trying to find uh, uh, some clean piss. <laughs> I don't know if I can say that. Clean urine. I think I think you can. Yeah, yeah. okay, great. <laughs> so that he can pass the test. And it was a character that only rocked up for that moment and he comes to our main character to ask him for his urine to use. Um, and so it was just a nice little piece and it's something that a lot of people in the minds would be like, oh yeah, that happens. Or, or at least drug tests happen. I'm sure they're all clean. Um, but we kind of put it in there to appease Screen, Screen Australia as that this is more episodic. It's not just a big mm. um, a pilot, really, half-hour pilot. So we got that, we went through that, and then it was like, okay, now it's time to animate. And that's when it got, it was actually quite simple because the process was already done, but we, we had to, we tried to use some more people. We had the funding, so we, we got storyboard artists, we had um, other people to help. And if you see on the credits, it's a lot of people, and people in Ireland, people in Romania, people mm -hmm. in Australia. Like, we, it, with these days, not everything has to be local. You don't have to sit across the desk from your animator or one of your animators. And we had the animation director was in Romania, it was, mm -hmm. whereas obviously Pete directed, me and Pete both wrote and, and I produced, but we had all the other crew spread around the globe. Mm. And that's what's so good nowadays, especially with animation, because obviously if you're shooting live, you need the people on location. Yep. But um, with animation, people can be anywhere. You can send things mm. here and there. And it, and there wasn't that much hassle. My main focus was to get the budget right mm. for our application mm -hmm. and then tweak it with Screen Australia. And that's a little clue or a little hint I give people who are going for funding. Don't be afraid to ask questions because mm. The more I did, the more response I got, and the more um, the people from Screen Australia, like Kelly Vincent and um, uh, Alice, who was our go-to person for a lot, and also, also uh, we had a, a project manager, Rosie, who ended up leaving halfway th through mm -hmm. the project to go and be a producer again, okay. instead of working mm -hmm. for the government. But they all kind of were like, oh, I love that you're asking questions. A lot of times producers, because they've, they've got their credit producer before their name, they're like, well, I'm going to do it my way. Mm. I don't, or they feel intimidated or they don't want to ask for yeah. help. Yeah. Well, I was just like, well, I don't know what I'm doing. So <laughs> I want to 
to get this up and, and up, coming from a writing background, I wanted as much support. And I don't really like, I didn't at the time like producing. I just feel like it's a lot of busy work. You know, you're doing the budget and all that kind of mm. non-creative stuff. Yes. However, I, I, through this process, through asking questions and, and getting answers, it actually helped. And maybe it's my other, my science hat. I come from a science background mm. too. Maybe part of that kicked in. I was like, okay, I get this. It's a bit more mathematical or mm. organizing. And, and I've got a teaching background too. So mm. it's like organizing groups of yeah. people. And so it all kind of came together quite well. Um, and... And in my mind, a budget, once I've made a budget, that's what, what it is. Mm. Which I found out later that that's not necessarily the case in no. other projects. <laughs> but um, so I, I, we ended up animating and I left most of that up to Pete. He did a lot of the creative stuff. The, the scripts were done, so I'd done all my job of that. And we just made sure everything came together. And um, Screen Australia was great. They didn't really push anything. They knew, they realized we had an audience already. Mm. So I've been involved with other Screen Australia projects where they they go through the script with a fine tooth comb. Mm -hmm. You can't say this, change that. We And because they're giving you the money, you basically have to do mm. it. Um, there was a moment where they did kind of question some of the choices, like Pete does a Kiwi voice mm -hmm. for one of the actors who is from, I guess you'd say, a Maori background or an Islander background. Um, which is just a classic Kiwi voice. Like, hey, boo. And his name's Cuz because mm. he calls everyone Cuz, so then yes. they call him Cuz. Yes. Um, but and there was a stage where they're like, oh, we don't know if you can do a voice for someone like that. Like, is that now like a bit on PC? Like, mm. can you do, if he was doing a voice for, say, an Indian, we'd feel that's a little bit on that, oh, a little bit over PC. But so they had this big meeting in Australia, like, Where's oh, wow. the line? Okay. Like, sure, he can do any other voice. He's doing all the other voices, which uh, um, are all male and not all, well, not all Australian, because there was an Irish mm -hmm. character. There's, there's different. But as soon as it became a little bit race, race bait, that they're mm. kind of thinking, oh, which way do we go? In the end, we, we just did it, so it was fine. <laughs> but if this was to be picked up, then mm. we would cast different voice actors for. Mm. Especially, we wanted to kind of. Uh, break it open a lot and make it a lot more diverse because you know in the mines especially when this is set which is um, 20 years ago in the mining boom there was no women well very little women yes. there was um, mainly white men from Australia yes. but there was a lot of Irish a lot mm. of Kiwi mm. and then as things grow like indigenous people because they're out set out bush often in communities or the miners near communities mm. So that's the whole idea. We wanted to, to grow that. And we have a female character called Bushy who's very blokey. <laughs> but, um, and we wanted to include that and show that these, there's these different characters in, in this world. But in the end, the animation went pretty simply, pretty smoothly. Um, they, I felt like the animators probably went a little bit too far and made things a little bit fancier. Like ah. just a simple thing um, was our previous animations, they didn't have necks. They were basically just this South Park style block bodies. But the animators wanted to give them the necks so they, they could give them these extra turns and give them a little bit of a 3D element oh, to it. Yes. Yep. Not, I mean, if you watch it, it's not 3D, but there's 3D elements where mm. we, we have a movement of a car or a desk or walking through the camp. And they put that in, and it's like, oh, that's a little bit too flash for my <laughs> likings. I like the original style. However, that's another thing as a producer. It's all about your compromise with your director and your, everyone in the crew. 
So that came from the animation crew, the animation animation director, who said, "Can we do this?" He asked Pete, and Pete said, "That's fine." And in the end, it, it has a better quality to it, and mm. it does kind of up the uh, up the, uh, the what, what do you call it? The you know your budget, like it makes it you oh, have the, your like the production value. Yes, it yes. sort of ups yeah. the production value. Yeah, for, oh, yeah for I hear it. that phrase being thrown around <laughs> quite a bit. I, I think it's the, the filmmaker's catchphrase. Oh, increase the production value because <laughs> it's got nothing to do with the budget because you can have a low budget but make things look like it's got yes, a exactly. good production value mm. or vice versa mm. in some cases yes well you, you only need to look at examples of feature films shot on iPhones to see that you know, production value has got nothing to do with with yeah. kit and it's got everything to do with heart and, and soul although and, I did hear about this one that was just shot on um on an iPhone, and I think it's on Netflix at the moment about a basketball manager or something like okay. that. But how they've tricked it is that they've used lenses. They've used really great lenses, just using the phone to be the capture. So they've got, yeah. they've rigged up something to put these lenses on top. So it's not just the phone yeah. like we would do. Yeah, gaff tape fixes all. <laughs> Exactly. There's, the there's a thing. reason that there's gaff tape in everybody's film kit. The universe is held together by gaff tape. <laughs> so, I mean, oh, that's just, awesome. just to finish up that yeah. end up with the production, we, we got to it and we ended up releasing uh, all within the same year. So we got the funding early, I think maybe about April, we got mm -hmm. the go ahead, yes. And we had to change a few things in the script before they sent us the money. And I think we started production about July. And then we got everything out by November. Um, and we, really, we decided to release it weekly. So we end up having five, six minute pieces. Mm -hmm. um, and then at the very end, we got rid of that middle episode and we put those four episodes together and made our TV half hour, which we also released. And at the same time, um, we talked, we had some, a meeting with a guy from Channel 7, who mm -hmm. is the head of comedy there. And he was interested and at the time we're, we're in negotiations still mm. they don't have very much money though it would be for seven mate um and they'd want to produce it for under a hundred thousand dollars an episode yep. and if you're talking about uh, animation and anyone out there who's done animation if you're doing half an hour animation for under a hundred thousand you're you're losing it somewhere mm. and um we probably that eh, i don't know if that's going to work for us and yeah. our budget might be a bit too high for them yeah. even though we've got quite a low budget yeah. it just means it just shows that that's the kind of money australia's dealing with yeah so if you're an independent producer realize lower budget is more likely to get picked up but mm. that's not to say don't work on your dream if you're working on something do it to the best of your ability get funding and um yeah screen australia screen territory whoever's out there they'll they're there to support fantastic that's awesome Thanks so much for your time, Phil, and for walking us through the, the production of, of Mining Boom. Folks, for those of you who want to check it out, do a, a YouTube search for Mining Boom, uh, animated series with a territory flavor to it, absolutely hilariously funny. Um, it's a little bit not suitable for work. I probably yeah. wouldn't play it at the next staff meeting, uh, but certainly great entertainment for home. Thanks again for joining us, Phil. Really appreciate your time today. Thanks, Steve. No worries. Cheers. I often get asked about which online stores I use to buy filmmaking accessories. You know, all the stuff you want or need, like lights, lenses, audio gear, the more specialised equipment that you can't pick up at a hardware store or a cheap shop. 
Actually, I have a segment coming up in a later episode of the podcast about hardware stores and other shops as sources for filmmaking gear. First of all, I will say don't dismiss eBay, but you have to be a little careful. If you're buying, say, a simple accessory like a strap or a friction arm, you can get some great bargains through eBay. For things like ball heads, friction arms and cold shoes, I look for the brand called Small Rig. Their products are good quality and the price is very affordable. You can also buy direct from the websites of different companies. Now I feel I need to add a disclaimer here. I'm going to share some companies that I've had personal dealings with and have been very impressed with their service. None of these companies have sponsored the podcast or provided anything to warrant their inclusion in this segment apart from the quality of their products and service. Okay, now on with the list. I've recently tried out a company called BetterBat. That's B-E-T-T-E-R-B-A-T-T, all one word, who provide batteries and chargers for a range of cameras. Their prices are excellent and the gear seems to be top quality. And the delivery to the NT was, quite frankly, stunningly quick. You can find their range of batteries and battery chargers at www.betterbat.com.au. My go-to store for lenses, cameras, bags and original equipment accessories is DigiDirect. They've got physical stores in Sydney, Melbourne, Perth and Brisbane, but they also have a very efficient online store. The prices at DigiDirect are almost always the best and their after-sale service is excellent. There have only been a couple of times that they weren't able to help and in both cases they were very quick to offer a solution that worked out in my favour. I've been recommending DigiDirect for as many years as I've been using them and if I'm looking for a new camera or lens they're the first place I look and are almost certainly the place where I buy. Their website is www.digidirect.com that's D-I-G-I-D-I-R-E-C-T dot com dot A-U. For specialised audio gear, I turn to Swamp Industries. I know the name sounds a bit odd, but these folks really know their stuff. A lot of their stock is music related, but if you're looking for top-notch XLR cables, mixers and other audio kit, Swamp is the place to go. I had a problem once with an audio adapter. It suddenly started producing a hum in the recording. And when I called them about the issue, they immediately sent me a replacement adapter and a return envelope to send this faulty unit back. When I sent Swamp Industries an email to let them know I was going to mention them in the podcast, they offered to set up a discount code for our listeners, totally unsolicited. That, to my mind, is a company that wants to look after their customers. So, for the month of April 2019, you can use the code NTFILM10. That's capital N, capital T, capital F, lowercase I-L-M, the number 10, at checkout for a 10% discount on all of the non-sale items at Swamp Industries. That's www.swamp.net.au. Hi everyone, I'm Blondine Ruffo, I'm the manager of the Darwin International Film Festival. We've got a couple of news, uh, really exciting news at the moment. So we're 
actually on the lookout for two new wonderful uh, programming committee members for the festival. So if you love to hear about new movies and research um, what's the latest trendy director out there in the world or in Australia or even here at home in the territory, please, please uh, send us an expression of interest on my email address uh, on manager at diff .net.au and I look forward to hearing from you. In other news, we are looking for submissions of short films made in the NT for Dekcha Cinema. So Dekcha Cinema will reopen in April this year and we are looking at showing NT shorts before the features. So not every night, but maybe a couple of nights per week, we are looking at showing local talent, local filmmaking talent prior to the features. So please, you can submit your films online. We have a film freeway platform and you can find the link through the website of Dekche Cinema, which is dekchecinema.com.au. <laughs> In this segment, I wanted to review a filmmaking product that ticks a few boxes for those of us creating low or no budget films. It's high quality, it's reasonably priced, it's compact, it's portable, and it's just about essential. The product is the Rode SmartLav Plus, a lavalier microphone designed to record directly into your smartphone. Again, a disclaimer here, Rode is not sponsoring this segment. I've purchased my own smart labs, yes, more than one, they're that good, and I've used them extensively in different productions. The opinions here are my own, based on my own experience with the product. The idea behind the smart lab is that you use your existing phone as the audio recorder. It's designed to plug into smartphones and tablets straight into the headphone jack. I've used mine with iPhone, but Rode says it'll also work with selected Android devices. The SmartLav Plus is a lot smaller and less expensive than a wireless system. Because of the price, the SmartLav Plus is ideal for filmmakers. You can actually afford to get one for each of your talent, and if you don't have enough old phones to use as the recorders, your talent has almost certainly brought theirs. So that acts as a free audio recorder for you. You just need to get the track off the phone before your talent leaves. I really like using the SmartLav Pluses because they're a great way to get value from my old phones. I've recycled my iPhone 4, 5 and 6 Plus in various situations as the recorder with a SmartLav attached. Rode says that the capsule on the SmartLav Plus is broadcast quality. I'm not surprised to hear that. I have saved more than one wedding video when the couple got really nervous and started whispering their vows because I'd mic the groom up with a SmartLav Plus and I was able to use the audio track from the uh, iPhone 4 in those cases to actually use as the primary audio track during the vows. If you'd like to hear for yourself the quality of the SmartLav Pluses, go back and have a listen to the interviews that we've run in this episode and, in fact, the interviews for future episodes as well. They've all been recorded using SmartLav Pluses. The price for the SmartLav Plus is exceptional. It's around about 80 Australian dollars at the time of this recording. And it's really robust. Rode says the cable is actually reinforced with Kevlar and it comes with a carry pouch to save tangling up the cable. 
I always have at least one SmartLav Plus in my audio bag for a shoot. Even if I'm using a wireless audio system, I like to have the SmartLav as a backup. In terms of bang for your buck, the SmartLav Plus is a no-brainer for a filmmaker looking to improve the quality of their audio capture, especially on a shoot with minimal crew. Swamp Industries, who provide exceptional quality audio equipment and cables, are offering a 10% discount on their non-sale items for NT Filmmakers podcast listeners. The offer begins on the 1st of April and expires on the 30th of April 2019. To take advantage of this offer, enter the coupon code NTFILM10, that's capital N, capital T, capital F, I-L-M, 10, at checkout. Their awesome audio gear can be found at www.swamp.net.au. Thanks for joining us in this episode of the NT Filmmakers podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to keep up to date with the latest information and most informative interviews about all things filmmaking in the Northern Territory. You can find the show notes for this episode at www.untoldigitalmedia.com.au forward slash podcast. This has been an Untold Digital Media production, copyright 2019.